fully committed, got decommitted, or coaches got fired and they had to move. Did, did, did you see any of that happen? Yeah. yeah, I would say for me personally, like positive because it had a good outcome, but oh my gosh, it's one of the most stressful things ever. Like and what? Like, what made it stressful? Just like the feeling that you don't have a lot of control over what would happen, right? Is like, will a coach be even be at the game when I do something good or like, Will I even get in that bat when the coach is there trying to look, trying to watch me? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the club. This podcast is dedicated to club and travel sports. I'm your host, Matt Gildon. I've spent the past 20 years getting my three kids through the sports landscape, through club and travel, all the way through to college recruiting and even a little bit beyond. There's a lot to cover in in, uh, the club and travel sports world. So I'm super excited to jump into it. We're going to cover it all. And again, thanks for joining and welcome to the club. Today we've got the first of two guests. So the proverbial double header here to talk about a sport that I want to talk about for some time. And that's a sport of softball. Softball's in full swing here in the DFW area. And Kelsey Bristow has graciously agreed to come in and talk about her experiences in the sport of softball. Kelsey is a girl who grew up in Mansfield, went the whole way through youth uh, softball, went through high school, and went on to play Division One softball. So Kelsey's going to talk a lot about parents, talk a lot about uh, daddy ball, and had some very interesting perspectives there that I hadn't even thought of. She'll talk about the club structure here in the DFW area, and then we'll spend some time talking about her college recruiting experience, everything from when she first identified herself as a potential D1 softball player and what it looked like for her to pick schools and get there. So without further delay, here's Kelsey Bristow, and welcome to the club. So uh, thanks a million for taking the time to come visit us here on Welcome to the Club. Um, softball is uh, definitely a sport I've been wanting to talk about here in our local neighborhood on the weekends. We've seen a lot of the kids you know, hitting the local you know, restaurants, uh, probably between games and a tournament or something. And, and they're all decked out in their uniforms and, and all that. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to talk about yeah. softball. So if, if you would just talk about, you know, when as you know, growing up and getting to softball, how that all happened, what was kind of your path to getting into club softball? Yeah. Uh, first, I just want to say thanks, Matt, for having me on. Really excited to be on the show and share kind of my experience with everyone. Um, So I started playing softball at the T-ball level, which is like five years old. Um, And I just played in our local like Mansfield kind of rec league for my first few years of my life. Um, But then actually started playing on like a select team or other sports called like a club team um, in eight and under when I was like seven and started playing club since then all the way through high school. And then, um, obviously went to college, as you mentioned, to play, um, to continue my career there. Um, so really like have been playing softball as long as I can remember my mom played when she was, you know, a kid and my dad actually played minor league baseball. So then with that combination kind of softball was definitely a huge priority for us as a family. So did you get exposure to other sports as a kid? Like, were you generally, uh, an athletic kid and you played every sport or were you kind of dedicated to softball early? Yes. I played like soccer and I went to dance, you know, all the things that your parents put you in when you're like little. But um, once I started playing club softball, 
mostly due to the like financial commitment. It, I really did like softball. And then I also played piano and took piano lessons my entire life growing up. So those were kind of my two things that I did um, full time. Nice. And then once I got into like middle school in like seventh and eighth grade school, then I played every sport in middle school, but um, didn't do anything like club wise outside of softball. Okay. That's great. So yeah, you definitely, I want to revisit the, your, your comment on finances. I think that is probably one of the most common yeah. favorite topics I'll call it across any and all club sports, right? There's a cost commitment uh, for, for sure. sure. So uh, sounds like you're pretty well-rounded growing up, right? You got the the piano and the, and the softball and the played some soccer and, and all the other things. So um in terms of the the softball, and I apologize, I don't really know that much about the, the softball world, but are there, can you kind of explain or walk us through like the tiers? Is, is it what like T-ball and then is it coach pitch and all that? What does that kind yeah. of look like? Yeah, so you're right. We start in T-ball, then you do coach pitch. I did both of those with um, like the rec league and Mansfield. And then once you kind of go to kid pitch, then that's when I went to select um, and did kid pitch all the way through. And then how old were you at that point? I was seven on my first club team. Uh, kid pitch at seven. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Six, seven. And I like tried to be a pitcher and it was terrible and a disaster and lots of tears. <laughs> and, oh. um, then I decided I was better as an infielder. So, um, did that. And then within the club organization too, there's a lot of different like levels. Um, and kind of, as you get older, you quickly figure out, you know, whether you're going to be in the top tier, whether you're going to continue to just kind of play local tournaments. Okay. So I'm, is it a safe assumption to say you played in the, in the higher levels since you, yeah. you went on and play college? So at what age do you, is there a common age where people are like, yeah, I'm just going to stay at this kind of rack or, or lower tier club or i'm going to make the the jump to where i'm traveling to tournaments i definitely want to hear about that but at, at what age does that kind of happen for softball i feel like it started happening around like 12 you and the other thing about softball is it's not you don't like jump up every year um it's like 12 you 14 you 16 you so when you're 12 and 13 you're in one league and then when you're or t- when you're 12 and 11 you're in one league when you're 13 and 14 you're in one league so um, I know that also kind of varies from other sports where you're playing with kids that could be, you know, a year older, mm-hmm. a year younger than you, depending on um, how old you are. And so, yep. but about like 12 you, 14 you, um, 14 you for sure. We started traveling like to, uh, to California. Um, okay. So I feel like that's when you really started figuring out what, where you belong. Okay. So how long does the softball, I guess, we're in softball now. Cause I've mentioned, I've seen kids, you know, uh, mm-hmm. at, at tournaments or, you know, and around look like they're in between games or something. So the softball start in the summer and go through to the spring. And then what's the relationship like with, uh, high school? Yeah. So when, before high school it's year round. So I remember having August and December off and that was it. And every other weekend I was at the ball fields um between the ages of like I said like seven and 13 um but then high school ball is in the spring um so softball is a spring sport so then we would play select in the fall and in the summer and then most people would play high school ball 
in the spring. Okay. So do they conflict in any ways or are there special leagues that also run in parallel in the spring with school ball? Um, so there's like some leagues that are, I would say not as competitive, but most club teams like allow their kids to, you know, go play school ball where I remember like my high school team made it to, uh, whatever is like right for the state tournament. And I had to miss a club tournament because we were going to like semifinals or whatever it was. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's, uh, it's like, uh, volleyball is like that where they play all fall and then in the spring, um, club starts, so mm-hmm. they, they don't conflict. So that's good. I think that's pretty good, a uh, good way to go, especially the younger ages. Um, so when, in, in my mind, I think baseball is like this, but the DFW area and maybe Texas as a, as a whole, is the competition pretty good here? Or to get the competition as you kind of move up, do you need to go to other places? Is there, is a the competition better? Yeah, the competition's really good in Texas. So, like, when you think of where in the U.S. the big hubs of softball are, it's definitely, like, Dallas-Fort Worth, Houston, um, California, and then, um, like, Kansas randomly has some good softball, and then Florida is pretty good as well. Um, and then, but there is a significant amount of traveling. There's like big tournaments that attract, you know, the top teams across the nation. Um, and with that, like college coaches. So those are the ones like we would travel to. Okay. Are they like the annual invitational type tournaments? Uh, you know, where are they and how would, would softball people recognize? Yeah. We play the triple (laughs) crown. Yeah. So the biggest one is. Um, it was called the sparkler. It was, it's in Denver every 4th of July week. Um, and then when I was like a sophomore in high school, which was, you know, back in 2010, um, they started doing a invitation invitational that competed with that sparkler tournament. Also like the same week in Denver or in Boulder as well. Um, and that, when that came out, that's the one that like our teams would go to. Nice. I'd love to be in. Colorado in July instead of here in Texas, yeah. especially after this Literally summer. Every year for, for like, I don't know, six, seven years. And it's my birthday too. So I always like remember having my birthday at that tournament. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, do you, do you, did you build like friendships or relationships uh, at these tournaments? Do you see a lot of the same people year in, year out as you move up and yeah, I mean, I think just the softball crew in general is it's pretty small. Um, and so you obviously get to know everyone in the DFW area, the coaches, the players, you know, playing against them in high school ball or, you know, there's a fair amount of switching club teams too within softball, I feel like. So you get to know a lot of the people. And then um, definitely at these big tournaments, we always do some sort of like pin trading or like stupid trading thing with these other teams but then it gives you the opportunity to meet people from across the country that you know and you build those relationships as well which is really nice yeah i know uh as i mentioned you know we were a big hockey family and i know for hockey folks that are out there listening the younger ages i still have in one of my kids room here at home a bag of pins that bag i bet weighs 12 pounds with little half inch gold pins from all over it's really yeah it's it's pretty cool but yeah when you're a parent you're like oh my god i gotta buy pins and trade so anyway but that's good so it sounds like small community so 
actually let, let's let's stay on that for a second with the kind of sound like a small community pretty tight community can you talk about like the culture of softball like again you know hockey i think has specific culture we got a little bit of exposure to baseball with our kids early on like i feel that has a very distinct culture so could could you talk about is there a do you feel like there's a distinct culture in softball yeah i i feel like there is and i think a lot of it um kind of revolves around the like almost like tailgating culture because you think like softball is outside right and mm-hmm. so we are outside all of the time constantly um and so these parents kind of build these intricate you know tailgating areas and tents where the between games like everyone can kind of go hang out um Mm -hmm. so i think that is like a big aspect of the culture and you do like spend a significant amount of time together from like 6 a.m to 10 p.m you know outside at the ball fields every single weekend um so i think that is like a huge part of it um i constantly remember like parents just like handing me hot dogs that had been grilled um kind of off the grill and um, yeah just kind of having that like in between game community I also think it's a little bit more like casual and like there's less I think of a financial barrier to softball than some of the other sports that I've now like had exposure to mm-hmm. uh, and so I do think it's a little bit more like casual um kind of just like hanging out type of culture versus um, anything like too uppity or crazy or thing. Yeah. Okay. So is it safe to say that, do you feel that club softball is accessible to the majority of people, like from a cost and commitment perspective? So, I mean, accessible is all relative, right? I do think like, I know for a fact that it is more affordable financially than like volleyball I just remember that I once I got into seventh and eighth grade started playing like school volleyball my parents looked into it and it was just like absolutely not it's like double the cost of what they were paying for softball mm-hmm. um so from that way like yes I think maybe more financially affordable than other sports but uh it is a lot of time of like no joke literally at the ball fields from 6 a.m 10 p.m every Saturday and Sunday for every week. And I can remember of my childhood. Um, and so from that aspect, totally like you got to be committed. You got to figure out how to get your kid, kid there. Do you think with that kind of time commitment, did, did the topic of burnout or uh, I, just, I can't do it anymore, or I want to yeah. just go be a normal kid and hang out with my friends on. Oh yeah. Did that yeah. come up in your experience? Totally. So with I I never took a break or anything, but definitely some of my friends did take breaks or completely left the sport. And that normally happens like 13, 14, kind of again, same time that you decide if you're going to be serious or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have like many conversations with my parents on, hey, I'm feeling burnt out. This is what's causing it. What can we do to like try to fix it um and it's part of it's like pressure or honestly like parents over coaching me you know instead of letting the coaches do that and so things like that um I think cause also some of the burnout um and those can be like more easily addressed versus just like saying I'm gonna quit okay um so I 
back to kind of the, the, you said your parents coaching you in club yeah. are parents coaches for clubs or are these uh, professional coaches who don't have a kid on the team that are actually, you know, the, the yeah. coaches doing the actual work with the so, kids. So again, there's like an age thing of like up until 16 year, I always played on a team that, the coach was a dad. Um, and then once things started getting more serious and like college coaches started coming around and things like that, my parents decided it was like worth paying for a little bit more to be on a team with actual paid coaches. Um, Cause there is obviously a level of daddy ball that happens if parents are the coaches. Um, oh yeah. We're going to get into that. So yeah, keep yeah. going though. <laughs> Yeah. So I think like super important to be was like, that was a great decision by like my parents to put, to make me switch teams. Um, especially when we started getting into recruiting, it's just a hundred percent so needed. Um, but my parents were never coaches of my team specifically, except for like T-ball, but that doesn't really count. Okay. So, but it sounds like until you were, or the majority, the, 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 yeah. the common path is for, someone to have their their parent a dad or mom coaching you yeah. until 16s that's about that was at least my experience yeah okay interesting so i can remember the term daddy ball you know <laughs> just uh, even in the local rec little league and, and tournaments and all that kind of stuff um so that's a real thing that's a oh it's it's a, it's a totally real thing and and it's not always like super bad right like a lot like of times, like, so the classic daddy ball is essentially like your, the daughter or son or whoever it is of the coach playing constantly, even though they suck is like the typical scenario that you would see yep. of like a daddy ball. Right. And I'm not saying that in my experience, that was always what was happening. Like uh, these players were still great players, but there is a different level of commitment typically and in my opinion like attitude from the daughter that towards their father as a coach right that I think was like led to a negative environment for the entire team similar to like if I get annoyed at my parent right I'm going to stop at them but I probably wouldn't do that to another adult that wasn't my parent yeah yeah yeah, your kids are always better behaved for complete strangers than they are for yeah, their own parents, exactly, right? So that's a exactly. phenomenon. Um, okay. So do you so you 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 hit on, and that's what I would believe to be true, is that it does create a negative vibe or negative impact on team yeah. dynamics. Is that a fair statement? Totally. And then too, you just everyone's always wondering, like, oh, is the lineup you know, this way because he's her daughter or she's his daughter or is she playing that position because she gets special treatment? Like, it's just always in someone's mind, mm-hmm. um, both the kids and the and the parents. So. Oh, you think the kids recognize it? Oh, a hundred percent. The kids recognize really? it. A hundred percent. I did. Yeah. Especially when you're like 14. Absolutely. But I mean, so you I think you said your parents didn't coach you, but so you think that the, the player who's the daughter, let's say of the coach, they know that 
they're not as good as the other players on the team and they know that they're playing all the time and that that creates some discomfort like, or some there's either like two scenarios where they know that they're getting special treatment and they like it and then they brag about it or like lean into it or they are not confident and they constantly are second guessing if they're good or not or if their parents are just putting them in so I just think it's like a negative situation either way. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, so let's I just want to switch gears, but kind of stay on the, yeah. at the at the club level here. I think you mentioned just a minute ago, there's club swipping, uh, switching or what I call mm-hmm. club hopping where, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen volleyball where there's one kid every, and I've for six straight years, they're on six different clubs. Yeah. I mean, you have some kids who stay at one club forever and you have some that, you know, there's always exceptions, but like, is that common in softball or more like, is that common? Is that accepted practice and common or is it? Yeah, it's, I definitely think it's common. Um, every kind of two years essentially, because I would switch into like from 14 to 16 U, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. we, my, we would like reevaluate where we were at and a lot of times uh there was one particular season that I remember I wanted to stay with my team but they weren't moving up as a team to the next level because they had so many younger kids on the team so that coach and majority of the players had to stay down were staying down but I had to go up to the next level so then I had to have find a new team oh Uh, because you were a 15 year old on a 16 U team Kind of, you were the younger on the, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Or they were, yeah, exactly. So that causes more people to have to switch teams more regularly um, within softball, unless you find a team where everyone's the same grade, which is pretty rare because of the way that it's set up. So there's some of that going on. And then in general, just, I personally found that it was like sometimes it was so important. It's so important to find the right coach. Right. And it's worth switching teams to be with a coach who like sees your value and like sees that you are a good player and have potential and is willing to work with you versus just like being on the best team that's in the DFW area. So I, cause I okay. kind of did both. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. So in the culture of softball is winning more important than player development in general or is it hey i know i'm, I'm going to put my kid on this team they're going to go 500 or just a little under 500 for the season but the coach is really good she had a good good development or is it i want to be on the best team that's gonna win the championship every year yeah so there's some of both for sure i like did go on like a really good team we won everything i played right field or didn't play and it was, and not necessarily because everyone was, was better, but that's a whole nother thing. But um, I think because they had like established players in that um, organization. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was the new kid. Um, and so we did that. We won everything. I definitely learned a lot, but I didn't get to play the positions or like develop adequately in the way that I wanted. So then I left, went to a team where we, I was one of the best players on the team, um, mm-hmm. but the coaches were good. And I feel like I had that, got to like actually build my confidence and develop more as a 
uh, like well-rounded as a player in the positions that I wanted to play um, in that experience. So I think it's so important to, at least for me, to have understood what I wanted. Did I want to win or did I want to develop and have that conversation with my parents and then choose my team accordingly? Gotcha. So do you mind sharing a little bit like you, when you said you were on that team and you played right field or didn't play, you said you learned yeah. a lot. Like, what do you, what do you think you learned? Um, I learned how to, how to be like tough, literally like physically tough of like, I remember I was, I think I was like 13 and it was my first practice with this team and they were like, bring a mouth guard. And they stuck all of us at third base and smoked balls at us just like and we took each took probably 200 ground balls and they were like literally smoking them at us and wow. so that it was just like I that's like such a core memory because it was like okay I'm not scared anymore <laughs> like I have figured out how to feel ground balls and to be tough and like if it hits me I will survive right and like that was a great experience um and also like tough of you know, not playing and how do you figure out how to still be a good teammate and how do you still have confidence in yourself when you're not necessarily in the situation that you want to be in. Um, and, but you have to be there for your team. So kind of tough, tough physically and tough mentally I'm on that team. Yeah. God, that's such a great thing to, to talk about. I mean, confidence, I could probably talk two episodes worth about just confidence and yes. the psyche of athletes at the younger ages. I mean, it's, it's such 100%. an important topic. It really it's is. It's absolutely so. so important. I think it's so key in, in especially women's sports of like, we, you have to build, figure out how to build confidence before anyone could even like be good at all. It's so important. Well, so do you mind me asking, why do you think that's more or critical for women's sports? Um, I think, you know, just based on at least the way that like I am wired and I know a lot of my female friends are wired, like it confidence at the end of the day is something that we struggle with. And it's more like fear of failure that is more common or like self-doubt or negative self-talk that I think a lot of me and my friends had struggled with. And it's just like, I would rather not even try because I don't want to suck type of mentality mm -hmm. is which is just like so the opposite of what it takes to be a good athlete right and so yeah. building confidence and trying to stay positive and you can say like hey that was not you did not do well right there but I know you got this because you are awesome like that is the way that I think like females should be coached um because it totally drives the like you messed up but I'm not saying you can never do it right um, I think that is just like so much more important than saying like, that was the worst thing ever. Right. Or like, why didn't you go for that? Cause that just like then breeds more self-doubt. Yeah. Just, I think that's fascinating. Well, I appreciate you answering that. I think that's just a great way to look at it. Uh, and again, I, we could talk about, maybe we'll have to have you back on with a, a panel to talk about confidence. Cause I think that's such a, a, a big topic that a lot of folks would yeah, like to hear that'd about. Be awesome. Um, so just real quick back to kind of, if, if you can kind of harken back to your DFW softball days, um, like how many clubs are there? Are there, are there like, Hey, these are the top oh gosh, six so clubs. Many. And then there's, you know, are there hundreds of them? Like I've seen yeah, glory so around. There's uniforms. Like, 
Glory is one of the like mega organizations. They probably have a hundred teams, like 20 at each age level. Um, And at least when I was playing, they're pretty like a decentralized organization. So like any coach can basically just like apply and have the glory name. And maybe I'm sure they do some things at the back end, but there's no like glory wide practices or glory wide anything. So the, the um, skill level there like varies depending on what glory team. Um, but then there's like uh, fusion is one of them. I ended up playing for, uh, Texas Impulse was another, it was like a newer organization when I started, but I think they have grown since then. Um, but yeah, there's probably about five like big, big DFW clubs, but again, they're, mm-hmm. they're really decentralized. Uh, oh, Batbusters is another one. And so, um, the talent kind of varies. Interesting. Just so hundred, so a coach can kind of have a team and say, I want to play under the ABC umbrella, ABC softball club umbrella and have a, have a team with their brand, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Very interesting. Um, uh, and, and then back to the travel, I wanted to just touch on that for a second. So you, you said something about every other weekend. So let's say at the height of your, you know, 16 U season, or I guess you have yep. maybe two 16 U seasons, maybe you're, mm-hmm. are, are you talking about we're traveling once a month, every other weekend, every weekend, back back? We every, weekend. every weekend for like eight weeks. And that included like going to Colorado for a week and then nationals for a week. Um, so yeah, we were going, we were traveling constantly, maybe one home tournament because actually there's, there's a lot of big tournaments in, um, in Allen. There's some ball, nice ball fields in Allen around okay. DFW. So, um, but yeah, other than that, like 16 years summer, we were gone every weekend. So when you say travel, are you talking about getting on a plane and going to California? Or are you talking about, you know, driving yeah. for California, oh, really? Denver, Houston? Yeah. So you're living in hotels on weekends for several mm-hmm. days doing tournaments. Wow. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that can add up, I'm sure. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. And socially too, right? I mean, you kind of that's your that's your family and your vacations yeah. and your social mm-hmm. all wrapped yeah, up into we, one right yeah i remember like my school friends i just like wouldn't see them except for at school because i didn't ever have free time yeah i talked about this i think in one of my maybe intro or maybe in, in a baseball episode where it happened to us too where you people forget in your neighborhood forget to invite you mm-hmm. your family Oh, we figured you had softball this weekend. So yeah, sorry. We just kind of forgot and yeah, everyone's exactly. you know, going to a concert or something. And, you know, as parents, you're like, no, we were here. Like, oh, well, we thought you were at a tournament this weekend. Sorry. We just haven't seen you in six weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get it. Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty intense. Um, does um, like a lot of, you know, high level youth sports, club sports, uh, there's a lot of outside instruction. So you have your practices because you said you talked about time commitment, right? So you got your, 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 just your normal practices. How many times a week at the height of it, were you practicing a week? So we would typically only actually practice like once a week, but then okay. I would do 
a hitting lesson at least once a week. Um, sometimes twice a week if we, if I, if there was like big recruiting tournaments coming up. So definitely expected to do at least one outside session a week, but then we're playing every single weekend too. Right. So it's like, you're getting a lot of reps in on the weekend as well. So what's a, a tournament? How many games are we talking about? Oh, so if you if so you go many. the distance, if you if you play if you go to the championship game in a tournament to yeah. start on Thursday and finish on Sunday, just talk through that. So we would there most of them are like Saturday Sunday, so pretty quick. But because okay. they're only two days, like they pack them in. So we would play five to ten games a weekend, depending on like if if you would stay in the winners bracket or if you have if you go down to the losers bracket. Um, mm-hmm. most of the tournaments were like double elimination so if you lost you could still like make your way back up to the championship but that means you would be playing like back to back to back until you know you got there um so uh the other thing is for softball we wouldn't we didn't start playing like seven innings which is the typical college softball time frame until mm-hmm. high school ball. so in club we would just play like 75 minutes or 90 minutes um, and that would be the kind of time frame. So when I say like we're playing five to ten, it's they're not full seven inning games. But still, if you're if you're playing five 90 minute games or seven 90 minute games, I mean, and is that could that be at a 10U, 12U level? Oh yeah. Starting from very like 10 8U, we would play like at least, you know, three to four three to five games on saturday and then you know a few games on sunday if you kept winning i mean in my mind that's a lot for a 10 year old kid so much yeah or are are they just kids and like hey this is great we're just playing ball all day yeah no it was fun like the other thing about softball too right is like you basically just stand there so it's not like that physically exhausting so you can play the whole time. The the hardest part is for the pitchers who are constantly pitching, um, and the catchers who are squatting for hours and hours and hours. Um, yeah. But I played shortstop, so like, uh, I just stand there. If the ball comes to me, I get it, and you know, if the ball goes the outfield, I run <laughs> out there and help them. But no big deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the times, you're just kind of hanging out. So that I think allows us to be able to play so much, so many more games. Um throughout the weekend yeah i i think softball and 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 baseball what i love about those sports and i think what actually makes them mentally tough and i, I want to hear your opinion on this is it's one of the those two are the, the one of the, the few games where you're thinking if the ball is hit to me what am i gonna do mm-hmm Oh yeah. Right. I mean, in volleyball, the ball comes over, I'm going to pass it up to the setter or if the puck comes to me, I'm going to shoot it or I'm going to make a move and pass. But this is situational talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, at what point in softball do you feel like you started talking and getting coached on like the situational mm-hmm. aspect of the sport? So definitely they have to start it young, right? Because you have to say, okay, if there's no one on, throw to get the ball, throw to first. If there's someone on, right, let's try to throw it to second. So super, super young. Um, but I do remember my 12U coach, we would be doing situations for hours on the field. And that's when it starts getting a little bit more advanced of like, okay, if the ball goes to the outfield, 
where does the shortstop go to be the cutoff to then throw it to third or like wherever we're throwing it. Right. So it gets a little bit more complex starting, you know, 12 U. Mm-hmm. And I remember at practice, the coaches would actually be like having the parents come out on the field to listen and then telling the parents, like, this is your homework to, you know, learn these situations so that you can like talk about it with your kid. So then me and my mom really? would be playing a like game in the car of like, okay, well, if there's runner here, like, where do you throw it? You're here. Like, what are these different situations? And we talk about it in the car so that, because you have to learn all, all of them. Um, and so it is like super pretty complex for, you know, a 12 year old. I think that's really fascinating. Get the parents out there. I think that's, you know, I think that's actually a pretty good idea because I, I, I joke and I've watched a bazillion hockey games and I've watched probably twice as many volleyball games. And I just always joke. I'm like, the more I watch the game, the more I realize mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And <laughs> as a yeah. parent, I think that's, I kind of say it as an advice kind of kind of shape it into advice to when I ever run across any parent who's like, Hey, I heard your kids played this sport and that sport, you know, how did you get started? I'm like, I don't know. But one thing I realized is the stuff I worried about when my kids were playing in the, you know, under 10 doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. <laughs> I would have not, I just, I wasted so many, you know, stress cycles on that. So, but I think that's great for, for, for them to kind of give like, I don't know, softball one-on-one, mm-hmm. um, to parents so they kind of can understand and then the fact of yeah work you know to keep talking about it with your kids at home that's that's fascinating i've never heard that in any other sport where they're including parents yeah at the club and level. i think you have to do it when they're young and then you know when they're older then you say you tell the tar- parents to back off essentially so it's a given to take <laughs> yeah so that's actually a good segue into uh kind of you know, talking about parents and, and, and backing off. So let's, let's shift gears here for a second. Um, I want to talk about recruiting college recruiting and exposure and all that. So if you can just kind of start, when did you first yourself think or realize or kind of go, Hey, you know what? I think I can go play college and whatever. And talk about maybe the different levels. I'm sure it's like, you know, D one, D two, or D3 and then NAIA or just, I, I, yeah. I'm sure it's the same, right. But as, yeah. as other sports, but like at what point did you start going, Hey, I think I can do this. And what did, how'd that, how'd that look for you? Yeah. So we started talking about it. Like honestly, probably in 12 U because then in 14 U you could start getting recruited because this was back before they made the rule about how old you could be before you could verbally commit. Mm-hmm. So like when I was playing, you could ver- there was people verbally commit verbally verbally committing at, you know, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Um, and so I remember there was this girl, she was on my team and she committed to Baylor at 13 years old. And I, And that's so then like once I had heard from her that she was starting to talk to coaches and all of this stuff, like I started talking with my parents about it. I started going to um, like camps at the local kind of Texas colleges. We, um, you know, started kind of the whole recruiting journey. And that just seems like so early to me, especially now. Um, But she ended up 
like getting her her offer pulled because she didn't progress in the way that they thought she would from the time she was 13 which is like very you know how do you know how someone's going to end up when they're 13 years old so very happy they changed the rule but yeah so because of that we started very very early started going to camps started going to all these recruiting tournaments um you know because i was on pretty good teams we had you know 30 to 50 coaches at most of our games um so yeah let's talk about camps for a second because do you feel like these college camps that are that are inviting or advertising to 10 and you know to say 10 year olds are those money grabs for those camps and coaches 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. and not just to say that your kids wouldn't learn something because they would right and it's a great opportunity to go out there and play ball and it's you know fun but like if you don't if you're not already talking to the coach you're not gonna get a relationship most likely with that coach by going to camp if you are talking to that college and they're interested in you and they invite you to camp and then yes 100 percent go they want another opportunity to watch you but i remember going mm-hmm. to some camps and then being like okay i'm gonna like go talk to this coach after and they don't they don't know me they don't care yeah again that's another topic across every sport I mean, in, in volleyball and, and hockey, for sure, right? I saw a lot of it, a lot of that go on. And I, it's a topic that we could spend so yeah. much time on, the whole verbal commitment process. Yeah. So just, anyway, we'll, we'll come back to that. So you started going to these camps and you said someone you knew committed to Baylor at a pretty young age. And so did that did that drive you to go, I can do this? Or was it like, oh, this could happen. You know, I'll just keep kind of playing. Like, Yeah. So, I mean, I honestly kind of knew at that time, I was like, okay, I want to play in college or I want to play. But I also was getting to the point where I was like in all AP classes and like knew I wanted to like kind of have a life, a career outside of, right? Just um, playing softball um and so I kind of always had said like okay if I get you know a scholarship or if I go somewhere and have the opportunity to play I'm only going to do take it if it's also like a good place where I can go to get get a good education you Mm -hmm. asked a question earlier about or made a comment about like pro softball like there was no pro softball back then even now like it's pretty limited not you don't make very much money um, is it here in the U.S. or do they have to go overseas or both? Or so there's a U.S. league, and then there's also some um, European leagues. But again, both of them are pretty much the same. Of like, you don't make very much money. Mm-hmm. Um, the U.S. ones that are like trying to make it a thing, but it's still very new. Um, and my, I know a few people that have played in the league, and it's like they make some, but it's definitely not. They can't support themselves. They can't support themselves. No, it's no, no. Or, or even a family. They definitely they support, support a family. You know, peanut butter and jelly, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. So back to you were kind of going, hey, yeah, I can do this yeah. if it's the right fit, the right academic fit, uh, which, you know, uh, I think you're about to reveal where you ended up playing <laughs> college yeah. uh, sp- uh, uh, softball. So, yeah, you made a very academic choice. <laughs> Um, so yeah, kind of walk through your experience and tell, like, tell us where you ended up playing 
yeah so uh like kind of made a list of like okay what are my you know d1 schools that i would be interested what are my d2 schools that i would be interested in what are like stretch schools both softball wise and academically um and one thing i did was i just like went on all of those um all of those schools websites and like filled out their student athlete questionnaire um saying like you know hey my name is kelsey and I'm interested and here, you know, send them my video and send them all my stuff. Oh, video. Did y'all do a lot of video work? <laughs> so much video. And, and I, the video scene was like very new when I was doing it. And so like mm -hmm. the, <laughs> my video is hilarious. Uh -huh. um, now looking back at it, I like personally edited it as like a 15 year old in like iMovie and it's so janky, but um, pretty funny. Did you do it yourself or like your dad do it? Or I mean, I think there's even services today where people will come. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Literally me and my mom did it. And like she videoed me and also hit me ground balls. My mom is like, you know, pretty athletic, but not like mm -hmm. super athletic. So that was Were your parents. athletes. Yeah. They're, they're both pretty athletic. Yeah. My dad mm -hmm. played minor league baseball. So he is super athletic. Um, but um and my mom's like athletic but you know not like a star softball player or anything right. um okay. so yeah so but you, we could have paid like two thousand dollars or something for someone to do a video for me but mm -hmm. again that was like kind of out of the financial question um for sure. so again those also recruiting as a whole like all of these recruiting services and people who say they're going to put their name out there for you that also I personally wouldn't recommend. I feel like it's a money grab too, but there has obviously been success stories from that. But I literally just filled out the student athlete questionnaires on all of the websites, emailed all of the coaches um, with all of my stuff and would email them like my summer schedule. Would When I got game times, would email them game times um, so that they could, you know, come and watch me. And uh, at one of the games, kind of I my coach pulled me aside after the game and was like Dartmouth is here they just watched you they want to chat and so at that point nice. in time you couldn't chat during the tournament obviously but so the coach gave me a call afterwards and kind of that was the first time that we chatted so yeah that is actually where I ended up going so this ended up working out really well because I got both like obviously super high academic and I got to play division one softball so that's awesome. Congratulations. I mean, that's just, I think that's an absolute great story. Um, and when I, I heard that uh, about you, I'm like that, that's why I've begged you to come on the show. So again, thank you for coming on to share that. So let me ask you a tough question, Kelsey. Yeah. Like, do you think you could have gone and played at Oklahoma? Maybe you would have played, maybe you wouldn't, but I mean, it, or. Yeah, I or probably whatever. not would I don't think I would have been able to even like walk on to be honest like okay. I had offers for other smaller d1s that I could have gone to um like I had a few that I was kind of deciding between that were all d1 um when I chose Dartmouth but I definitely was like not gonna go to Oklahoma not gonna go to any of these like big D1 Florida programs. State or whatever. Like, who are the big programs yeah. right now? I yeah, see Oklahoma wins all the time. They always win. It's so annoying. Um, <laughs> like, but like Texas, OU, USC, you know, like, or UCLA has a good softball program. Um, and so that was just kind of also out of the question, which is why I was like, okay, do I want to go to these 
one of these like smaller D1 programs that, you know, at before I honestly got the Dartmouth offer, I was like, maybe I just go to Texas, focus on academics, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If I wasn't going to, I would. Di- I didn't want to go to a middle of nowhere, small D1 school with a medium, you know, academic program. That was okay. just like not what I saw for my life. And so even when I had just, I kind of got that offer first. And I was like, I really am seriously deciding about like whether I want to play in college. And then kind of obviously when I got Dartmouth, I was like, yeah, this is kind of the dream. So. Okay. Wow. That's great. Um, so overall, would you say you had a positive college recruiting signing all that experience and were there others? And if, and you know, I want to hear about that experience or your opinion of, of what your experience was but do you know folks that were verbally committed got decommitted or coaches got fired and they had to move to, 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 did you see any of that happen yeah. yeah i would say for me personally like positive because it had a good outcome but oh my gosh it's one of the most stressful things ever like and what like, what made it stressful just like the feeling that you don't have a lot of control over what would happen right is like will a coach be even be at the game when I do something good? Or like, will I even get in that bat when the coach is there trying to look, trying to watch me? Right. So like that, I feel like was very stressful for me and my parents. Um, And just like, it's a huge life altering moment. Right. And so it's scary to have to do feel like you're coordinating all these things. And there's a huge reality that, you know, no one will offer you, even if you're pretty good. Um, And so that's just kind of like the fear or like the unknownness of what's going to happen is always there. And it's something that like me and my family had kind of almost over us for, you know, two, three years of my softball career. So it's fun and it's awesome, but it's also extremely stressful. And I think it needs to be like, I think it is pretty normalized, but like, people should realize like it is normal to be extremely stressed about it. Is there advice you'd give to parents and hopefully they're listening (laughs) around like, (laughs) how do they, how do they manage that stress? Like what, what's the one thing? Yeah. You know, that's, you have to focus on, or what's the things that, you know, maybe a distraction that really aren't that big a deal. I think the biggest thing in this, again, like, I'm a huge believer that like all of the lessons you learn in athletics are so beneficial for your entire life, but like you can only control what you can control and Mm -hmm. everything else that is uncontrollable should not cause you stress because there's nothing you can do about it. And so focusing on like, I know that I can do everything I can to send emails, to get coaches to at least know what I'm going to, where I'm going to be. I know Mm -hmm. that I can practice and have fun and have a smile on my face on the field. Um, You know, and I can control those things. Everything else is out of my control. And so it's not even worth my breath to talk about it or like voice the concern. Um, Like, are you going to get it at bat when you see the coach walk up? He's wearing a Dartmouth hat. Yeah. And if you're so worried about getting it at bat. Or like, is the the ball going to even come to me in the field? Who knows? I could literally stand there. They could watch the entire game and I wouldn't get a single ball. Right. Because no one's going to, no one just hits it. And so like, that's, that's not not what I can control. (laughs) 
Um, and so I just think parents and players should just focus on what they can literally yeah. change. Um, and that I think would just cause create a lot of um, more calmness. Yeah. So. That's what we, we say that even today with, with our kids who are still kind of in the sports world. We say control your controllables. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's great advice. That's such great advice. Um, okay. So uh, from your kind of last thing I want to talk about is like your college experience. You know, did you play all four years? You know, did you, yeah. did you start as a freshman? Like, what was that like? Yeah. So I did play all four years. I did start as a freshman. Um, we had a really awesome group of freshmen come in and actually like, I think four of us started as freshmen, um, which was really exciting. Uh, the coach who had recruited me was like new to the program. And so we were her first class that she had brought in. So she was also very excited about us and really like, uh, kind of leaned into us being kind of the future of the program. Mm -hmm. So that was a fantastic experience. Um, I did have a, like a lot of injuries actually. So oh, no. shortly after I literally signed to go to Dartmouth, I tore my rotator cuff and had oh, to have um, surgery my senior year of high school, missed my senior year of high school softball season. Um, and so was like constantly dealing with that as a college athlete. And then I went snowboarding as a freshman right before season, which I should not have done. Highly <laughs> do not recommend. Um, and took a pretty good fall and like, had like slipped a disc in my back. So that was mm. also really fun. Um, but was able to like get through it and, you know, do physical therapy and had a few cortisone shots and things like that. Um, to help, but definitely feel like I had a great experience. I loved it, loved playing, um, but could have done without the injuries. Yeah. Do you like New Hampshire? Oh my gosh. New Hampshire is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. It is beautiful. Um, this, there's a lot of snow, so that was an adjustment. Um, but honestly, one of my goals for going away as well as academics and softball was getting as far away from home as possible. So I succeeded on that one so that was yeah, really well nice. done <laughs> well good so it sounds overall your college experience was was pretty good yes definitely like 10 out of 10 would recommend Dartmouth and softball at Dartmouth and um in general just playing I think like I said I kind of mentioned briefly the lessons that you learn um through sports just have really like shaped I think my ability to be successful in my pro professional career as well. Um, and so I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, I think, you know, parents ask me about, you know, that's kind of that, that, that question of, yeah, I think we could go play at this top tier school that is a perennial power, but I don't know if my kid will play or mm -hmm. we can go to this, you know, D3 school, which probably, you know, it could be at a, a very, highly regarded academic school and like, yeah, they would play, but they would, you know, they wouldn't be D one. And I just tell them, you know, you got, that's kind of a decision you have to make, right. Is do you want to be on the team and just say you're on that team and that program and never see the field? Or do you want to be at a top flight, smaller university that's, you know, well-known academically and you're playing 
all the time in every situation. And just, I mean, I'm a big proponent of club sports and I always want like to make that clear as I'm talking about, you know, everything, all things club on, on this podcast, but there there's definite advantages to, to being a student athlete, whether, whether you're starting or you're a bench, you know, uh, or a role player, right. Just, you know, always, I recommend that parents think of it through that lens, not just, Oh, I say my kid is playing at this university, which is exactly there's so much more there's so much like you you have to think about the life after and how where you go to school is going to shape that obviously like being a student athlete is amazing on a resume so that's a great start but also just have to like really consider you know the what what your kid will go through both academically and like socially in college Mm -hmm. is so important to the adult they become um, and so it's such a huge consideration. Yeah. Well, Kelsey, I mean, that's a great way to end this great story. I knew, I just knew when we kind of crossed paths a little bit. I just, I knew this story was, was going to be, uh, very interesting and, and just, and, and awesome to hear. So I cannot thank you enough for coming on. Welcome to the club, uh, helping us getting this podcast going, uh, would love to have you back as I think more about it, talking about, we talked about like confidence. We talked about, you know, obviously recruiting injury. That's a whole nother thing. So, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to reserve the right to, to invite you back and maybe have a panel of, of folks who've kind of been down those paths. Oh, absolutely. I had a lot of fun chatting and so I would be happy to be back and talk about any of this. Great. Well, Kelsey, thanks again uh, for joining us today. Uh, Hope you have a great start to the week and we will catch up soon. And uh, thanks again for, uh, for coming on. Welcome to the club. Absolutely. Thank you.